Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Have you ever been in a place where the attacks of the enemy are so overwhelming you feel as if you can't breathe? Well, today, Pastor CJ is back with some keys to overcoming the devil's schemes in a message called Suffocate. We hope you enjoy this message. We are in a microwave stage, amen? And what I mean by that, a microwave stage is that we want everything quick and easy, fast and done, amen? If we're in McDonald's line and we have to wait more than five minutes, we're having a cornea, amen? How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Well, I'll tell you, Andrew gives out one of these every week. We go through this and we go over the agenda. Andrew gives me agenda. We work out an agenda every week. And this agenda is my time allotted, okay, everything that I, that I do. And when I went to the church there, and it's a mega church of 1,400 people, and I mean, it was just an incredible experience. They gave me their, their agenda, and I meant to bring it today. They gave me their agenda because they knew I was a pastor. They wanted me to follow along, that kind of thing. And uh, halfway, it was probably 10 minutes into the service, and guess what happened to the agenda? It went out the window. And the thing was, here's what happened. Uh, they, they are run Everett on a time schedule, right? Boom, 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 boom. And even got a person in the front row. I want to let you know, they even have a person in the front row that sits by the pastor and has got a watch. All right? No kidding. They got a watch and tells them like this, right? Well, they threw it out the window. And for all those microwave experiences, I'm not a microwave pastor, so I'm going to tell you that right now. That church, the pastor preached for an hour and five minutes. The worship went on for 40 minutes, and those people didn't even complain one bit. But we are so used to a microwave experience. Get me out in an hour, and I'll be happy. Well, bah humbug for that. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And the Bible says, could you not pray for one hour? And sometimes we get so upset if we go so long. I know that I'm stepping on somebody's bunions today, but let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. We have gotten into this age that, man, we are going too long, and we're doing this, and we're doing When did you ever put a time frame on God? God is never too late or never too early. A day with the Lord is a thousand years. And you know what? We need to quit running on our timetable and let God do his thing. Because what's happening, it's upsetting your spirit because you're saying, we need to get out of here. And you can't receive. And so I'm a bad pastor, and I'm this, and I'm that. And I'm sitting there, and the pastor was preaching an hour and five minutes. I'm like, go for it. Get him. <laughs> and you know what? They were 40% African American. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They never stopped. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. They kept it on for 45 minutes, for an hour and five minutes. The whole time through was preaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was my alarm clock to keep me awake. I don't know. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes we get so, so caught up in our microwave experiences of life. Really, slow down and enjoy God. They that wait upon the Lord. And you know what? If you're so busy now, I wonder. I really, seriously, please, I'm not being critical. I'm not being critical. I just felt this experience when I was gone. I really, seriously, I'm not being critical. So I really, Randy, I'm, I'm not. I wonder if you're so busy now when we're in church, when we allotted time to be with God, I wonder what you're like outside these walls. How much time do you really give God? Ooh. Think about it. Seriously. So 
There's, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. 1,440 minutes in a day. How many minutes do we give God? But yet we're... And I want you to think about that for a minute. Because what happens is, what happens with me is that I hear sometimes things that complaining, and I'm not here to do that. I'm only telling you the experience, Rachel, that I had this week. I hear the complaining. I hear the murmurs. And you know what? That really hurts me because God doesn't put a time frame on things, but yet people want to talk and say things, but they never say it to me. But, but they want a microwave experience. Somebody say, ouch. Hey, when I was at that church, whoo, I, I'm not kidding you. It was, it was amazing, Everett. It was unbelievable, exciting. So I, I'm just going to 1,440 minutes in a day. I wonder how much time we take to pray. Think about it. We're not McDonald's. People want the presence of the Lord, but when it goes on, when it happens in the church, Whenever the spirit moves, let me just say this to you. Whenever a spirit moves, it gets messy. And it doesn't run on timetable. But yet we want the spirit to move. We want to have altar calls. We want to have worship. We want to have this. But then if we go past one hour, center, center, down below, pucker up and let it go. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, it's, and it's wrong. You need to come and just worship God. Put your watch away and say, hey, this is my time to worship and put my praise on. Boy, those people, you should have seen them. I, Kevin, you should have seen these people. They were flooding the altars. When worship came, they were 1,400 people. Man, whoo, and they were, it was, I, I, was, I was so flat. My breath was taken away that they just said, we're going to worship we're going to worship God, and we're going to get mine. Not a microwave experience, but I'm going to have my time with God. Listen, I've learned something. I can have a microwave experience, or I can have a pot roast experience. <laughs> a pot roast takes a longer, but when it's done, guess what? It's tender, and I want to be tender with God. Amen? So praise the Lord. Take all your sermon notes today. I want to get into the Word. God, I have to be honest with you, I wrote this message when I was in my camper, all right? And I have to be honest, I had it in my heart, so when I had it in my heart, I came and I pinned the words, and we got it done. And so this message honestly came from my camper experience, and I call it suffocate. And if you ever notice this, what is suffocate or suffocation? It's to prevent access of air to the blood flow to the lungs. In other words, it makes your lungs or your blood flow stop going to the lungs. It makes your lungs collapse, makes your lungs begin to not be able to breathe or go in and out. And so in other words, also to suffer from the lack of oxygen or unable to breathe. 
the lack of oxygen were unable to breathe. And so uh, the lack of oxygen, unable to breathe. And when I was writing this message, seriously, when I was gone these two weeks, I was getting a lot of texts. I was getting a lot of calls. I was getting a lot of emails about situations that were going on in the church, okay, with your situations. And how many of you know I'm so grateful that we live in the Wisconsin where we have four seasons. Amen? You know, winter, spring, summer, and fall, right? All you got to do is call. You ever know that song? And I'll be there. Yes, I am. You know that. James Taylor, you got a friend, right? But how many of you know that we got winter, spring, summer, and fall, right? We got different seasons. But if you ever notice in your Christian walk with God, there's different seasons, okay? There's different seasons. There's going to be the time that there's going to be abundance, there's going to be a time where you're going to have abundance. There's going to be a time where there's going to be plenty. There's going to be a time when your household is or your barns are full, the Bible says. And when your barns are full, you never notice something? Write this down. Whenever your self-worth is good, it's usually because your net worth is good. Whenever your net worth is good, your self-worth is good. Because whenever you feel like your barns are full and your finances are together, and man, you you got a big savings account or whatever, guess what? Your self-worth is good. Because man... I got it together. But ever when your net worth is down, guess what? Your self-worth goes down. So a lot of times we base our self-worth by our net worth. But that's not how we're supposed to do it. But in seasons with God, you have your plentiful times. But then you also have your desert times. You also have your dry times, your empty times, your attack times, your low times in life. If you ever look at David, even though David was king, David still had his highs and his lows. He went through different seasons of his life. You look at through the men of God. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, you see in Hebrews chapter 11 all the heroes of faith. But every one of those heroes of faith went through a season in their life. Whether it was a season of plenty, whether it was a season of lack, whether it was a season of pain, whether it was a season of, uh, of suffering, but it was always a season. So what God laid on my heart that we as a church, you, are in a season of attacks. That we're going through a season of attacks. And I, got, I thought, God, why are we going through a season of attacks? Well, how many of you know that whenever you advance or go forward, you're always going to be attacked? Because what that means, advancing or going forward, means you're taking from or taking away from somebody. And whenever you advance for the kingdom of God, who do you think you're taking away from? You're taking away from the enemy, right? You're taking away maybe a stronghold. You're taking away maybe some possessions that he's taking from you. You know, the Bible says that you, he's going to restore the years that the locusts have stolen from you. Your latter is going to be greater than your former. So in other words, to do that, that means you have to advance to take back. And when you take back from the enemy, guess what he's going to do? He's going to raise his ugly head, correct? He's going to raise his ugly head, and what's he going to do? He's going to attack. So what's happening here at Adventure Church? We're advancing. We're going forward. Who is the church? It's you and I. It, the church is you and I. You and I. So whenever we're going forward, we're going to be attacked. And so that's what God was laying on my heart, that we're being attacked. But you know what? There's a great king that comes to my mind, the king that led the, the Judah. 
He was a great king. He was a man of integrity. He walked upright before God. He, man, he honored God. He served God with all his heart, just like a lot of us. Here he was, this great king. He was, man, had a man of integrity. He was loyal. He was committed. He was faithful to his God. He was faithful and trustworthy to his people. But yet, he was under attack. He was under attack, and yet you would think, man, here he's this great king. Man, he has everything at his fingertips. You would think that he was excused from attacks. But he wasn't excused from attacks. He had attacks even though he was this great king. He was under pressure. He was under pressure by the attacks of things around him. And that king was Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a great king. He was a great king who loved and honored God, who served God with all his heart. But yet he was under a season, a season. How many of you know that I'm glad that winter is over sometimes and now the spring comes and now I love summer right now, amen? I love summer, but sometimes I love it too much that I mess around with the S-U-N and I get burnt, amen? I want to be with the S-O-N instead of the S-U-N, amen? Because the S-U-N burns me and gets me red, amen? And so I like the S-O-N. But how many of you know you're glad when the seasons are over? The winter, how many of you were glad when the winter was over this year? We had a hard winter, amen? But Jehoshaphat was in his season his season of attacks. Now, you got to get this. What do you mean his season? Before he was under attacks, guess what led him to be king? He was under plenty. He was being honored. He was being respected. He was being promoted. He was going forward. And because, man, through that, he was, man, seeing a great success. But now, he, the king, was in the season of attacks. I bet a lot of you, if you raise your hand, you say, Pastor, you're talking about me. I'm under the season of attacks. Here's the beautiful thing. That season will come to an end. That season will come to an end. But here's what Jehoshaphat did. I love this. Jehoshaphat trusted his God and didn't run from the sight of fear, didn't run from the sight of fear. What does the enemy love to do? The first thing he loves to do when you're under attack, he wants to intimidate you. Remember, the lion roars like a lion roaming to and fro, looking for whom he may devour. His first tactic that he loves to do when you're under pressure, he loves to intimidate you. Right? He said he's right. he didn't run from the sight of fear, but he stood his ground with God. How many of you know that, listen, we shouldn't be caught off guard by the attacks of the enemy. The Bible says, listen, in 2 Corinthians 2, 11, he says, Paul says, for we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes. We understand his schemes. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, don't be surprised by the many attacks or the fiery darts of the enemy. Don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard by them, but be suited up, be ready, be in season and out of season. We need to put on the full armor of God to get ready to fight the battle. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, he says, pray in the spirit. He said, pray in the spirit. Then also, Randy, pray for brothers and sisters of like faith. Pray for them. But the last part of that verse of Ephesians 6, 18, he says, then pray in the spirit to be alert on all occasions. In other words, don't be caught off guard. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange when you're going through the attacks, but stand your ground. Stand your ground. It's going to happen. These things are going to take place and transpire in your life. It's going to find out what's inside of you when you're going through the battles. Amen? So he said, stand your ground. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, here's a prime example of the pressure 
that the king was under. Many of us, I look across here, and we're going to make congratulations on your new little one. Man, I tell you, we're going to dedicate her next. Praise the Lord. Man, don't worry. We just did this spontaneous because they were in town. We're going to do a big one. Don't. So just know. All right. Amen. The exes from Texas were here. Amen. <laughs> but look at the attacks. And I want you to equate this, guys, to yourself. Watch this. We're parents. Right? We have kids. We have to raise them. We have to nurture them. Ethan and Caitlin, that's what you just did. You have to nurture them, and that's a lot of pressure. Man, providing and, man, guiding, directing, making sure, Sarah, they, they walk the right path. That's our role as a parent. Can you imagine the role of the king? Look at what he says. After this, now, forgive me, I'm a butcher. I, don't, I can't. The Moabites and Amakites and some of the Minnites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Can you imagine that? There were three against one, and how many of you know that three armies against one army is not a fair fight? Can you see the multitude that were coming against him? Jehoshaphat was outnumbered. The pressure was great. Some of you got big rocks on your fingers, that diamond on your finger. Guess how that diamond was produced? It was produced out of pressure. And you know what was happening is Jehoshaphat was under this pressure. Can you imagine that all around him he was encompassed by a great armies? Three different armies. And if you study the different armies, each army also had a different tactic or different weapons or different ways to come against you in the battle. Some may have a gun. Some may have cannons or whatever else they used. They had different things that they came against you with. So can you imagine the pressure? What am I going to do? Have you ever stayed up in the wee hours of the night and said, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm never going to make it. I can't pay my bills, Lord. I, I, can't, I can't get to work. My car's broke down, and my kid is doing this, and my, my spouse is doing that. And you're all these different emotions. That's what King Jehoshaphat was under. Then he goes on to say, some people came and told Jehoshaphat. Told Jehoshaphat. How many of you know that a lot of times that Faith does things. Faith cometh by hearing. Amen? By hearing. You get edified by hearing the word of God. But also, how many know that fear comes also by hearing? Fear comes by hearing. When you hear tragedy, when you hear situations, when people come to you and say, this is that against you, this is somebody saying this is about you, and this is happening, and blah, 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 blah. What does that do? Automatically triggers you to bow up and say, wait a minute. So here, these people came to Jehoshaphat, and here's a response. A vast, they didn't say some small, they didn't say some medium army, but they used a vast army. In other words, a large army that outnumbers ours is coming against you. From Eden and the other side of the Dead Sea, it is already in Hazar, Tyra. In other words, what they were saying is that you have this vast army coming against you. And you know what? Normally the response is to the people, to the king. Now, Jehoshaphat, what are you going to do? Have you ever faced that before? Mom, dad, husband, wife, what are we going to do? (laughs) 
Even the kids are getting involved with that one. Amen? Isn't that true? But let me show you something. When you are under fire, let me just give you three simple principles to help you get through the muck and mire when you're under fire. These are three principles that you got to get in your spirit when you are going through the fire. Three, when you're under fire, there are three feelings that kill your victory. The first one is this. When you're under fire, the enemy is going to work at your insecurities. Insecurities tell you, you can't do this. You're not qualified. So when you're under fire, what is the first thing that happens to you? All these insecurities come up. I'm not qualified. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good enough provider. I can't do this. I can't do that. All of a sudden, these insecurities pop up to do what? To deflate you, to defeat you, to bring you down. So if you're feeling these things, that's not what God says. God says, if I am for you, who can be against you? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You think that's insecurities? That talks about power. That talks about strength. That talks about God's guidance. That talks about hope. That's not insecurity. So when you're starting to feel insecure and feel like you're not worthy, you need to tell that voice to be quiet. Another one is this, regret. If I would have done this, how many say that before? If I would have done this, that would have never happened. If I would have done that, man, I I could have changed the whole course. And we walk in regret, and we we go back to the past, and we go back to this, and we go back to that. How many of you know that Bible says, listen, if you confess your sins, he says he's faithful and just and will do what? Purify you from all unrighteousness. Did he say some? He said all. So everything that you've done past, present, even into the future, if you confess him, guess who forgives you? So guess what? You know what regret does? It makes you walk in the regret of feeling unworthy, feeling unforgiveness, not good enough, feeling like I should have, could have, would have, all these things. But Jesus says, listen, when you go back to God and you've asked God to ask you for forgiveness 10 years ago, and you go back to God and say, God, I'm so sorry what I did 10 years ago. You know what God does? He looks at you and says, what in the world are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Because the Bible says he blots out your sins, your faults, your failures, and he doesn't remember them anymore. The only one that remembers them is you. And what does that do? Every time when you're in a battle, what the enemy does? He remembers them because he wants to bring them up on your checklist to make you feel unworthy. The last one is this. I love this one. Discouragement. Big one. What's the use? Have you ever said that before when you're in a battle? Gonna throw up your arms, no moss, no moss, I quit. I'm just going to give up and quit. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you maybe ever done that before? Want to just throw in a towel and quit? That's the three signs that will bring you down, three feelings that will kill your victory insecurities, regret, and discouragement. Maybe some of you are feeling that right now. But let me remind you, you are the umpire that calls balls and strikes in your life. You call the strike in your life. Yes, by his stripes I'm healed. That's a strike. Man, you are a loser. You are never going to make it. That's a ball. You call the balls and strikes in your life. You are the gatekeeper of what you let in and what you let out. 
And you have to shut off those voices. Wrong voices make wrong choices. Shut off the words of doubt. Shut off those words of negativity. Shut off those things that bring defeat to your life. Because you are more than a conqueror, Romans 8.37, through Christ Jesus. A conqueror shuts off the voices of no. A conqueror shuts off the voices and says you can't. A conqueror says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a conqueror. Are you a conqueror today? You see, I love this. Jehoshaphat chose to do something different. I, I love this. And so I told the, the first service to put this on the refrigerator, this sermon. Jehoshaphat showed signs that pointed Jehoshaphat's victory. Number one, if you have your, your notes, take this out. The first thing that Jehoshaphat did for his victory, he determined to hear from God. The first thing that Jehoshaphat did when he was faced with this pressure, when the camps were all around him, all this vast army, the pressure was coming in. The life looked like it was no good. He was going down. You know what the first reaction that we do a lot of times? When we're going through fire and we're going through pressure, and don't get me wrong when I say this, when we're going through fire and we go through pressure, the first thing we want to do is we want to dial a friend. That's nothing wrong with that. But the first thing we need to do is, God, I come to you, the author and perfecter of my faith. You say, Lord, in Jeremiah 29, 11, you know the plans that you have for me, plans to prosper you, not the plans to give me hope for my future. So, Lord, I'm going to inquire of you first. But a lot of times we make God secondary to what we should do first. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3, look at what Jehoshaphat did. He said, alarmed. In other words, man, he was alarmed that man I'm overwhelmed I'm suffocating I can't breathe I can't handle this it's over my head it's too much for me to handle I mean I can't take on this how many of you know that God looks for empty not full that's why Paul says man I love it in my weakness because in my weakness then God becomes strong he fills me up he fills up my emptiness with his fullness and that fullness is his strength power and might to make me walk through the fiery darts that I may go through in life he said look at Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. He has resolved to inquire of the Lord. Listen, the lesson learned here is don't make God your last resort, but make him your first resort. Man, God, I, I, I don't know what to do, but God, I'm running to you. God is your peace in the eye of the storm, but he's not the storm. You see, that's why he said, I'll give you peace that passeth all understanding. I'll give you peace that passeth all understanding. I'll guide you. I'll direct you. I'll help you in your time of need. Listen to this. Don't run from him, but run to him. I love what Romans 10, 17 says, and this is my address. I love this verse. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. It builds you up. It builds you up and encourages and strengthens you. He says, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes through hearing. A lot of times, why is it that we are so prone? Can you get this? We are so prone that we want to broadcast the negative. If we look across the news waves today, CNN, Fox, and every kind of news channel you can look up, what is their, always their focus? What is their focus? What is their focus? You don't see them doing things about heroes and what people are really doing outside the world good. You're always hearing the negative. 
Do you know that they say that when a young person grows into the adulthood age of 18 years old, they say by the time they are 18 years old, they are going to be fed. Now, you got to get this. They are going to be fed 22 million commercials through their span of 18 years on negativity. Buy this, buy that. Don't do this, do that. All these things, sexual things, all these things. 22 million commercials that the person, when they're 18 years old, is going to hear and dissect that kind of stuff. What kind of message are we proclaiming? The message that we need to hear is I need to hear the voice of God. My wife and I, we have this oil. Any of you into those oils? My, my wife, yeah, those essential oils. My wife and I have the peppermint one. You ever get the peppermint one, you know? And boy, believe me you, she takes three, I take one. Uh, man, I tell you, what it is, you warm up a glass of water, and you put a drops, three drops of that peppermint in there, and then you cup the cup, and you, you, then it cleans out your sinuses, and whoo, believe me you, bam, there it is, there it is. But that one little drop for me, one little drop of that oil cleans me out. I mean, just, and you know what? One word from God can build your faith. All it could be is maybe it's the word of, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. I got it in control. Everything will be fine. When you hear God's word, faith fills your heart and drives out fear. How many know that's true? Man, man, faith can fear, you get this, fear cannot dwell where faith is. Fear cannot dwell where faith is because faith pushes out fear. When in doubt, push it out. How do you push it out? Through faith that my God will never leave me nor forsake me. I love this. I just, when I wrote this down, faith reminds fear of who's in charge. Somebody say amen. Come on. Faith reminds fear. Wait a minute. Faith, you can come knocking at my door, but you can keep it knocking, but you can't come in. Come back tomorrow and try it again because my God is for me and who can be against me? Amen? Amen? Amen. Right? I love this. Jeremiah 33.3. I love Jeremiah. If you ever read the book, read Jeremiah. It's great. He said, call to me. How many of you know you get a phone call by what? How many of you know you got a phone call coming in? Huh? It's got a ring, right? Mom Bell's got a ring, right? What do you think you got to do to God? God's waiting. He's waiting. But you know what we do? We call everybody else. Nobody's home. Nobody's home. So you know what we do? Try another friend. Nobody's home. Nobody. By the second time we call another friend and nobody's home and we get the answer machine, we're so mad. Man, we are pulling our hair out. We're ready to pop off the church. We're like a thermometer that's ready to explode, right? And God said, all you do, call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. After all, Aren't you in a desperate situation that you're looking for answers? And the answers you're looking for, you don't know? And if God says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans that give you hope for the future, why don't you call? Why don't you make them your first resort instead of your last resort? You know what? 
When I went to an African-American church in St. Paul, they would always sing this song, Jesus on the main line, tell them what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell them what you want, right? In other words, they would sing that song. You should see, man. Sister Tambourine, man. All the hats would be flying up and down like this. Man, the wigs would be flapping, going crazy, all that kind of stuff. But the whole purpose of the song was that Jesus is on the main line that's never busy. Tell them what you want. And I will show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I will tell you. God is the voice of your mom and your dad telling you it's going to be okay. I mean, remember those days. Let's put our childhood caps back on. You remember the days when you were young? Maybe your grandpa or your grandma. Maybe your mom and dad would embrace you when you hurt yourself, just like this little one right now. They totally depend on you. You know what the two things that kids are afraid of, little ones are afraid of, infants are afraid of? The most things that infants are afraid of. Number one, they're afraid of sounds. But you know, second thing, the most fearful little ones like afraid of, afraid of falling. And you know what? Right now, that baby feels secure because you know why? She's holding him. She's supporting that baby. She's holding on to that baby. That way, that baby, look at that little baby, wrapping her arms around her little neck like that. Isn't that cool? But you know what? That's you. God's not going to let you fall. He's not going to let you fall. He embraces you in the midst of your storm. He's telling you when he embraces you, it's going to be okay. Another one is this. Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast. I found this to be true. You can't expect God to come into a place where there's no occupancy. When you go by a hotel, what is the first thing you look for? You look for the sign. Is there no occupancy? If there's occupancy, what do you do? You go into that hotel. But if it says no occupancy, what do you do? You drive on by. What fasting does, it means I'm going to give up something to give him occupancy in my life. What many of you don't know, that every year, every year, I, I, and I don't let my right hand know what the left hand's doing. I'm only telling you this because I'm you know, just making an illustration. Every year, I fast. Every year. You may not know it because I don't put on sackcloth and I don't get on my face and I don't turn all kinds of blue and all the shades of this or that. But I just really intend, man, God, I want more of you. So in other words, I empty myself out so I can receive more from God. You see, listen, if you are not willing to give up something, that doesn't show that you're desperate. When you're in desperate need, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. How many know what I'm talking about? The prime example is Acts chapter 3. When the beggar begged, he was in desperate need. But notice what happened. He came there expecting food. He came there ever expecting to get material things, possessions. What, what, what did Peter do? Silver and gold have I not. Now, you got to get this. Notice what Peter did. Silver and gold have I not. But in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What he did, he filled his void, not with material things or possession or food, but what would matters most with God. You see, when you are willing to sacrifice something and give it up for God, God will take that empty space and fill it with himself. He will take that empty space and give you more of him to help you through your day. You see, here's what happens. Look in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. He says this, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Giving up something. Let's sacrifice. Let's give up something so we can retain something from God, so we can get to hear his voice, so we can have occupancy, so God can come in the middle of our situation. 
You see, when you fast, it shows God that you mean business. Fasting shows that you're desperate and that you really need him. Man, God, I, I, I need you. Fasting helps you focus on him, and it allows you to hear his voice clearer. God, I, I got all this distraction. You always hear me say this, wrong voices make wrong choices. You got to avoid the noise. You got to avoid the noise. The noise is what always derails people off the promise. Did you hear that? The noise always avoids or gets the people off the promise. You can listen to the noise, but the noise will always lead you down a dead end. You got to avoid the noise. Another one is this. He talked about how great his God is. Man. The reason why he talked about how great his God is, look what he said in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 6. Andrew, go ahead. He talked about this. Watch what he says. The Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? Look what he says. You rule all the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand. And no one can withstand you. In other words, what he began to do is brag about his God. Because when you start talking to yourself and telling yourself how great your God is, guess what it does? It elevates your faith. That, Wait a minute. My God is bigger than that mountain. My God is bigger than that situation. My God can overcome that. Because when you recognize who's on your side, and if God is for you, who can be against you? It's going to give you strength. It's going to give you encouragement. It's going to give you confidence to know that God is in control. So what he had to do, he had to be his own cheerleader. And he had to remind himself of how great his God is. How many of you were kids and you thought your dad was invincible when you were growing up? My dad will knock you out. Now they got a song that says, Mama gonna knock you out. Right? Because you had confidence, my dad. Woohoo! That's your same way with your God. You have to tell, talking to God about how awesome he is builds your faith and reminds you how great he really is. Lastly, as I close, Jehoshaphat, this is a big one now, big one. Jehoshaphat openly admitted to God his inability to deal with his problem. So in other words, what he had to do, he had to take down this facade, the mask, the pride, the eagle. The eagle has landed. He had to take the pride off. And he had to come to a place and listen, I can't do it. Why do you think we lift our hands a lot of times in service? Surrender to do what? Get the victory. What you surrender to God, God can turn it around for his glory. And surrendering means being open before God. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. It says, our God, will you not judge them? Now watch what he says. Shoo. Vulnerability. Honest before God. Transparent before the Lord. God knows all, sees all, and hears all. You can't get away from God. You think you can outrun him? No. You think you can hide from him? No. You think you can say anything without him knowing? He knows all. He knows all, sees all, hears all. He said, for we have no power to face this vast army. You see the walls coming down? See him being vulnerable? See him being a real Christian and not a hypocrite? See him being a real believer, being saying, hey, listen, I'm in need. 
But we got to act like we're a Christmas gift under a tree all the time, that we got the right bowl on, the right wrapping on, and got to look like this right Christian all the time. Otherwise, people are going to think I'm weak. Jehoshaphat said, bah humbug with that. He says, this vast army that is attacking us, but look at what he says. We do not know what to do. Ever felt that way? Maybe you're in that kettle right now. You're in stew right now. Maybe you're that frog that's going to just burn yourself to death because you're not willing to jump out because you're just being complacent. Finally going to get you. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. You see, we need to let God do for us. Get this. We need to let God do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Stop trying to handle things yourself and messing things up. Let go and let God. When we get involved, we mess things up. Because our thoughts are not his thoughts. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Mark 9, verse 24. Immediately the boar's father exclaimed, watch this. I do believe. I believe that every one of you in this room, I believe that with all my heart, Sean, that every one of you in this room, I know pretty much all of you, but I believe every one of you in this room believe. I believe that. I know that you believe. I know you love God. I can tell. I can see it. This man did too. This man was in a crisis. His son was possessed, kept throwing himself in fire, kept doing all these things for 20-some years. This was going on. Now he's at his wit's end. God, I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been believing. I've been, how many you ever felt like that? I believe. But look what he said. I believe, Lord, but help me to overcome my unbelief. Help me, God, to overcome my unbelief that tinge in me that wants to hold back and take control and try to figure it out my way or but help me you see sometimes we hold back our miracles because we don't let it, them go sometimes we hold back the miracle from God doing a work in our lives because we won't let it go the miracle's at your doorstep, but you're saying, no, it's mine. You asked for it, you got it. And we hold on to it, but God said, you let it go, and the miracle will be delivered. That's what happened. When the man prayed, he was honest, his boy was delivered. What miracle can God deliver to you? Why, don't we, why are we holding on? Because we don't trust. We think we can do better. We are afraid of what he might ask you to change in your battle. People don't like change. You see, listen, faith requires us to walk, and God does the rest. How many know that's true? So today, I want to encourage you. Are you Jehoshaphat? Are you feel like you're suffocated? Are you feel like you can't breathe? Are you feel like, man, you're going under and you can't get up? Well, there's hope for you. Inquire of God, fast, recognize how big your God is, and be honest with God. You do these things, God will meet you right where you're at. Will you stand with me today? He'll meet you right where you're at. That's your God that you face. That's the God that you serve. 
while we're standing, I want to thank Joe. Joe, thank you for preaching for me a couple weeks ago. I watched you online. Did a great job. Thank you. Jerry, he's not here today. Did a great job. I didn't get a chance to see him. I was in church, not watching church. But, man, thank you guys for filling in. Thank you. But I want to pray for you today. And if you need a miracle today, I want you just to expect it, receive it. So if you're in this situation, this category, and you're saying, Pastor, you're talking about me. When I pray, you receive. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. Open your spirit up, receive. Take down your pride and open up to God. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. If there are those here today that are struggling, that are feeling suffocated, feeling like they can't breathe, they can't even get up for air, that they're going under, that they're doomed, that they're never going to make it, I pray in the name of Jesus that right now they will take the steps of Jehoshaphat, that they will inquire of you, God, that they will set aside a time of fast, giving up something to receive something, that, God, you will place that emptiness, that void that they give up with you to help them through the day, that they will recognize and speak of the awesomeness and the goodness and the power of our God. And most of all, God, that they will be honest and transparent before you to tell you, God, exactly what they're going through. Because after all, you know anyways, God. So I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you're knocking, that you're knocking on some people's hearts today, that they will open up and let you in to their circumstance, situation, problems, struggles of life. We thank you, Father, for this day, for truly this is the day that you have made. And we make the choice to rejoice. Bless your people, touch them, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, now come on, give the Lord praise today. Amen. Amen. Now you walk in victory. You walk in victory. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.